Our scripture passage for today uh, comes from uh, 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verses 9 through 19. I'm reading from the Common English uh, Bible Version uh, translation, in case folks are wondering. Let us pray. Uh, or let us read and then we'll pray. <laughs> uh, God, we, God didn't intend for us to suffer his wrath, but rather to possess salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. So continue encouraging each other and building each other up, just like you are doing already. Brothers and sisters and siblings, we ask you to respect those who are working with you, leading you, and instructing you. Think of them highly with love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Brothers and sisters and siblings, we encourage you to warn those who are disorderly. Comfort the discouraged. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure no one repays a wrong with a wrong, but always pursue the good for each other and everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in every situation because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't suppress the spirit. Don't brush off spirit-inspired messages, but examine everything carefully and hang on to what is good. May God bless our understanding of this reading from Scripture this morning. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time to come together to reflect on who it is and how it is that you are in our own lives. And we ask also that then you would clear away the things that are distracting us or keeping us from really hearing what it is that you have to say to us today so that we might be present and meet you in powerful, transformative ways, not just for today, but in the days to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Several years ago, a good friend of mine started a blog. Um, she had had her first child, and she was feeling really overwhelmed by the combative political rhetoric and social arguments of the day. For her, it felt like all that was rising to the top was bad news. And that was in 2010, which, you know, from this vantage point might seem like a utopia compared to these days, right? And so she started Good News for Isla to document one piece of good news for each day of her daughter Isla's first year of life. And in her first entry, she says, our world is clearly imperfect. We humans are definitely not making it easy on ourselves. Living, though, in this constant state of despair only creates and fosters fear. Fear of people, nature, the unknown, and life as we know it. Fear is not the legacy I want to leave my daughter. It is a choice that I have to make, and somehow I and my partner have to figure out how not to shelter her from reality, but also to instill in her a sense of hope. Not only do I want her to know the good news that is currently happening, I also have this intense desire to expose myself to good news. I need to have my hope restored too. Hope restored in the midst of despair is so much of what our passage for today is about. First Thessalonians is the oldest book of the Bible, which means it's the first letter which addresses the community of Christians after Jesus' ministry. And at this point, it's been about 40 years since his resurrection, and the joy, hope, and anticipation that shaped their faith has dulled a little bit. They had expected Jesus to return like yesterday, right? But so far, it's feeling like the mail system from last summer, right? He's supposed to have arrived, the tracking number even says so, but he is nowhere to be found. So after so much time, basically a lifetime when you're talking about healthcare in the Roman Empire, right? You can hardly blame the community for starting to feel some kind of way about their situation. 
Okay, like, I did not sign up to hang out with these Yehus for this long. Maybe some of them are thinking. It was fine when this was temporary, but I've had to endure Ralph's mouth breathing during worship for long enough. And Gladys always chooses the moment after we bow our heads for prayer to unwrap her candy. I can't keep doing this. Paul and Timothy, the fellows who planted the church community, know that, know that these folks are feeling edgy. Not only because the waiting has gone on a lot longer than planned, but also because they are grieving the deaths of some members of the community. Christians are getting targeted for police brutality. Paul and Timothy keep getting blocked by Satan. Those are their words, not mine. And that tracking number just is not giving anyone any clues on the whereabouts or whenabouts of when Jesus is going to show up. The Thessalonian church is beginning to drown in sorrow, anxiety, and despair. Now, I'm not a lifeguard. I'm actually not even a very good swimmer. But somewhere along the way, I picked up that when you attempt to save a drowning person, you have to be very careful. Because when a person is panicking in water, when they fear that they are drowning, they will grab on to whatever it is uh, that they can to try to stay afloat, even if it means taking down the next person. The Thessalonian community is struggling. Paul and Timothy can see that this is happening, and so they write them a letter, not only to let them know that they haven't been forgotten, but also to make sure that they don't end up taking each other down in their fear and anxiety. They need encouragement, instruction, and perspective. Things are decidedly not awesome. This is true. But it isn't the whole truth. They remind the community, God hasn't destined us for wrath but for obtaining salvation through Jesus, who died for us so that we might live with him. In other words, God didn't put you on earth so that you could suffer. She put Jesus on earth so Jesus could suffer. No, I'm just kidding. She put Jesus on earth so that, so that you will live, right? And live abundantly. And so instead of getting tangled up in hopelessness, despair, and fear, contribute to that life abundant. Help build that life abundant, not just for yourself, but for those around you. Encourage each other and build each other up. Respect and acknowledge the folks who are out here working for the health of the community, who are here to care for you and keep you. Lift them up and lift each other up too while you're at it. But also call each other in when folks aren't doing their part. And throughout it all, rejoice, pray, and give thanks in all circumstances. Cover it all in gratitude. A gratitude that says, yes, I know that things are not good. It's true, but that's not the whole truth. A gratitude that says, I'm going to choose to see the whole truth, to see the broken realities in which we live, the ways that things are not as they ought to be, and move, even as I give thanks for God's grace at work around me. I'm going to choose to have an attitude of gratitude. And I'm not talking about a cheap kind of gratitude. I'm talking about a gratitude that is rooted in the cost of living and the knowledge of what it takes to make it through the day in a world like ours. It's a gratitude that says, COVID has got me feeling so disoriented and I'm grateful for the mental space it has given me to realign my life with my values. It's a gratitude that says, I have so much pain from the theological violence of racist, homophobic church cultures. And I'm grateful to have pushed through it, processed it, and healed enough to find a community where I can love myself and my partner freely. A gratitude that says, 
I have been that racist, homophobic, or otherwise harmful person in church. I have made some mistakes, harmed people, and not been the person that I've wanted to be. And I give thanks that my past does not have to define my future. Christian gratitude is always informed by God's grace. And so what giving thanks in all circumstances is about is noticing God's grace at work within you and around you. Having an attitude of gratitude is more than a cute phrase. It's a radical reorientation to life, to faith, and a reopening of ourselves to one another. Becoming grateful means that we become more aware, that we see what has been overlooked and under-acknowledged. Melissa, running StreamYard, so that our folks online can join us, switching from our host pastor today, Hannah, to the congregation and back again. James, our new media specialist, who set up the cameras and because he ran south, sound at our south location for many years as a volunteer, also set up the sound here this morning. For Meg, who made phone calls, sent emails, and did all that she could to try and make sure that our musical worship this morning could happen and that we could experience the joy of singing together. For Jerry, who has faithfully supported and coordinated the service partnership between this congregation and the Proviso Township Food Pantry for so many years, and this morning was in the kitchen making coffee when uh, Pastor Christian called and said, hey, you know, could you make a, uh, make a couple cups for, for the congregation for after worship? I could go on and on. You could go on. I know. You all have been in this together for a long time. So when was the last time you said thank you? To the folks I mentioned, sure, but also to the folks I haven't mentioned. There are things happening in this community that I have no idea about, the ways that you guys are showing up for each other. What are you noticing, and how are you saying thank you? It's too easy to take each other for granted, and too easy to feel taken for granted. So let's pay attention. When right after, uh, right after telling us to be thankful, Paul and Timothy warn us not to quench the spirit. And what they mean by this is that it's too easy to stop noticing. And when you stop noticing, you stop giving thanks. And when you stop giving thanks, you become entitled. And you become pretentious, self-centered, and disdainful. You move further and further away from connection to others and to God, and closer and closer to discontent, depression, and a constant state of dissatisfaction. If it were about us, uh, just us individually, that would be bad enough, right? But it's not just about us. It's about those whose lives intersect with us outside of the church. Christian gratitude is also a prophetic gratitude. And a prophetic gratitude calls us to lift our gaze and see what is not easily seen. It's about seeing and pointing out the places where God's promises are being fulfilled. And it's also about naming where those promises have yet to be realized. A prophetic gratitude says, I will give thanks and I will keep pushing for the kind of world that God calls us to bring about. Now, I, I mentioned to my friend the other day that I'd be sharing about good news for Isla. She said, you know, I think that blog ultimately led me down a deeper journey to seeking justice. Good news for Isla made my friend simultaneously aware of 
just how many good things are happening in the world, and also how much remains undone. And over the years, I've seen my friend encourage and admonish her church community in Seattle to think more deeply about their robust commitment to service, pushing them to delve deeper in understanding systemic oppression that creates the need for that service in the first place. She's done her own work around racism and white privilege and has gathered others to do the same with her. And she has come to realize just how complex, enormous, and overwhelming the challenges are. And yet, this work, as difficult as it has been, has also brought a sense of sturdy hope. A hope that perseveres. A hope that trusts. The kind of hope that, as St. Augustine put it, has two daughters, anger and courage. In this way, we are all called to be people of hope. And it starts with gratitude. As we live forward into this new reality of ongoing COVID, some of us to worship, will worship in person, others of us will stay remote, some of us will do a hybrid based on how we're feeling that day, right? Regardless of our situation, gratitude is not an option. If the last 18 months have been any indication, there are still many more adjustments ahead of us, and the ability to encourage and uplift each other, to call each other in and speak the whole truth of God's grace in a world that needs to recognize more of it, is not just a good spiritual practice. It's essential for our collective future. Because when you proclaim gratitude, when you say thanks in every circumstance, you can't help but notice the circumstances. And when you notice the circumstances, you see not only what has been done, but what remains undone. And then are moved to get involved in some way. So even though we're a couple of thousand years removed from that early Christian community, even as we keep checking that tracking number, right, to look toward that day when God gets everything God ever wanted, let us name the ways, too, that Jesus has already returned and has already shown up giving thanks in every circumstance, and lifting each other up in every way we can along the way. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks that you show up for us in ways that we could have never imagined, and that you invite us to show up with and for one another in the same way. Help us, especially in those times when we feel ourselves sinking in despair or cynicism, to lift our gaze and to take on a practice of noticing, naming, calling out the ways that you are already at work among us, even as we continue in the struggle to bring about the kind of world that you call us to bring. And help us to invite people along the way so that we can not only know that we're not alone, but others too can find hope in spaces and ways that they never could have imagined before. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.